think it, you get cold and you get hard. Your heart is hardened, just like uh, the Bible says, when yeah. you work in this type of industry. And we would see women come in. There was a woman who was coming in for her 11th abortion. And we knew the man with her was not her husband or boyfriend or anything. And, you know, she's talking like she was just coming to buy a Slurpee. You know, she was like, we need, I need you to hurry up and get this thing out of me because I got to go. How, how long is the wait? You know, and so when you have people like that, you become really hardened. Wow. Um, and then you also have situations where you see a young girl and you know she's a minor and the person she's with is like triple her age. You know, that's not dad or granddad because you can see the, the body chemistry. Mm-hmm. Um, but if they had ID, we didn't check it. We didn't verify. We didn't do anything. It was. Hello, everyone. I am on here to talk to you guys about one of our affiliates, Culture of Life 1972. Culture of Life 1972 started in 2019 with the vision to design a fashion brand that celebrated all life. They care about the impact that style has on future generations. One by one, they are leading a fashion movement that protects and values life. It's simple. Fashion should be good for you. You can head over to their website, col1972.com, and use our code, Those Other Girls 1972, to get 10% off of all of your purchases. They have cute clothes, jewelry, and accessories available for everyone. All right, you guys, thanks so much. Can't relate to cancel culture, hookup culture, or victim culture? (laughs) Well, neither could we. We created this platform for those other girls. Girls like us who want to give a different perspective from a Christian and conservative worldview. We talk about life, work, relationships, and everything in between. Let's be those other girls that don't just talk about culture, but change culture and bring back traditional values. views expressed on this podcast are our own and do not reflect our employers. Enjoy. Hello, everyone. You're listening to Those Are the Girls with Mallory and Friends. I'm Mallory. I'm Melanie. And we are changing culture and bringing back traditional values. Okay, everybody. We have, um, it's Respect Life Month. And this month we're working on doing some really good episodes about the life topic, about life, and caring for one another and you know being pro-woman and we have Annette on here and I, you guys were like Annette okay give us more so Annette tell us who you are why we decided to have you today for this episode absolutely well hello everyone my name is Annette Lancaster um, I am in a, a former abortion clinic worker um, I hold a master's in healthcare administration, currently working on a doctorate in organiza- organizational development and leadership. And um, I've been working in healthcare for 20 plus years now. And I was the health center manager for the Planned Parenthood in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, which is the largest Planned, Her- Planned Parenthood facility in North Carolina. Whoa. Okay. So many thoughts just now um but first um let's talk about um like your story like what caused you okay let's go from the beginning how did you get involved with Planned Parenthood 
and then we'll go through all the way through the end and then we'll just come in and ask questions throughout that. Sure. Well, to preface the story, which will make it very interesting and make you really have to listen, um, I do not subscribe to the title of Christian, nor do I subscribe to the title of conservative. So keep that one in your back pocket. <laughs> yes, everyone, this is going to be a good episode. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so the how did I come to work for Planned Parenthood? Um, I started at Planned Parenthood because I was sought out by a headhunter and um, actually accepted the position. Um, I was okay. Wait, that- sorry. Pause for two seconds. Sure. What is a headhunter? Sure. So when you upload your resume to different platforms on the internet or websites like uh, Monster, Indeed. Um, I forgot the other one, job board, Okay. things like that. Um, you have certain people who are called recruiters or headhunters. Okay, so it's essentially a recruiter. Okay. Right, so a search recruiter, a jobs uh, employment recruiter. And so they called me from, I don't even remember what organization, and um, had me apply to one facility and I didn't get the position. And then they called me back immediately and had me pl- apply to the Chapel Hill location where um, I was offered the position and accepted. Um, at that time, I was neither pro-life or pro-choice. Um, I was just a healthcare worker. I've been in healthcare for a long time, healthcare administration, uh, keep that in mind. And so, um, you know, abortion was never a topic that was brought up in my household. So I really didn't have an opinion on it. Either way, I was never affected by it. And I figured I'd be in the office doing administrative work anyway. So why not? <laughs> it was a great job, great opportunity. So I thought. So, okay. What in so healthcare administration? Do you have to go to med school for that? Is that no? So okay. for healthcare administration, I I do hold a master's in that, but basically okay. what you're doing is the office work. So basically, you are an office administrator, but in the healthcare or medical field. Okay. So we do have a lot of healthcare and medical training or um, experience rather, but not um, not hands on like you would get in clinicals as like a registered nurse. Okay. And did they talk about abortion in any of those classes? I guess they wouldn't for that then. I had heard it. I mean, it was brought up, but it was nothing that we ever like dove into in great detail. It was just like some facilities do this and some facilities do that. Okay. Okay. Um, And then, okay. The last part you were saying, um... Noni, do you have anything? Yeah. So, I imagine for your position, like, were you the person who's in charge of making sure the facility passed, like, its quarterly inspections or health inspections? Absolutely. I was in charge of inspections. I was in charge of making sure that all of the providers, being the being that um, abortionist or registered nurses, anybody that needed credentialing to hold their position, I was in charge of making sure that that was all up to date. I was in charge of keeping all medications up to date, making sure we didn't have expired medications, um, ordering everything that the facility facility needed, be it um, medications to paper towels, um, everything, instruments. Um, I was in charge of the paperwork at the front desk, um, in charge of the money. Uh, I was. So you kind of saw the behind the scenes that people probably. Okay. Okay. I did everything on that side. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, um, was it, were you the only administrator or were there other administrators? Like how many administrators work in your facility? 
So in that facility where I previously worked, there was one administrator, which was myself. Um, oh. so it would be um, the health center administrator. Um, my title was health center manager. Now we did have a medical director, but um, they changed medical directors, I think three times while I was there and I was only there nine months. Um, oh. So the, the last medical director who is still currently there was is also an abortionist for that facility. So yeah, it's pretty high turnover rate at that facility as well as most abortion clinics. So why is that? Um, you know, I, I don't know what reasoning they write down for why they have a high turnover rate. I can give you my opinion, which is most people end up changing their mind about abortion once they get in the clinic and work on the really? other side and actually see what's going on. They either change their opinion about doing abortions or they change their opinion because of religion or spirituality. I'm guessing, so my mind is going a thousand miles right now, but I'm guessing to what you said, that makes that makes a lot of sense because I do think that you don't really know until you're like in it. So I think about, um, there's a clinic that is um, the Latrobe one. I don't know. It's not Planned Parenthood. It's just an abortion clinic. Um, mm-hmm. I forgot the people who run it, their last names, but they have one up in Chapel Hill, I believe. It's on Latrobe. It's in Charlotte. And um, we pray outside of that one. And it's a girl who I've been really praying um, for. She's like my age and she's out there every time she's like screaming and doing, you know, carrying on um, like, oh, you guys are terrible praying, blah, blah, blah. So she's doing all that. And I think about like how I wonder if she actually knows like what's going on. Cause I think that there's just a lot of propaganda and like, mm-hmm. I also like what you said earlier, um, it wasn't really talked about in your household. Mm-hmm. I think that's a place where a lot of people, like a lot of people just don't talk about it because right. it's not affecting them directly. So it's just not really yeah. brought up. Uh, or they don't talk about it as well as a lot of people don't know what all abortion entails. Um, I can mm-hmm. tell you that since I've left the industry, um, I know specifically at least five friends and associates of mine personally once we got into the gruesome detail of what abortion entails and actually what it looks like, uh, what the flow is with the clients or patients when they come in, they change their minds. I, that uh, is so wonderful to hear. As a matter of fact, I was just at a ball uh, recently for, um, and then there were none, and met a random stranger at a restaurant, just started talking to her about abortion, and she was definitely pro-choice. And after just telling her what I saw, what I did, and the things that go on, she told me the next day before she left, she said, you have changed my mind. I'm definitely pro-life now. And I'm going to have to talk to my husband about this when I get back home. That's wow. amazing. Yeah. Yeah. That's I just, so I, <laughs> I really want to know what then was like your your I don't know Uh was there like an epiphany was there like over time of starting to question the things you saw and heard what was that like over time that changing of heart because I know you said you were like neither for or against you you said you were kind of like more neutral right so it was a combination of things I wish I had that one pivotal moment where I can say this specific thing happened and made me leave um (laughs) but unfortunately or fortunately I'm a pretty stubborn person. So <laughs> anyone that knows me knows that if you tell me I can't do something, I'm going to die trying to prove you wrong. Mm. Uh, so there were several instances where 
I came really close to leaving the facility. Um, and I had some people in senior management tell me either I didn't, I couldn't do it or yeah, you know, this wasn't, I wasn't cut out for this. And so I stayed. Mm. Um, I did have several um, powerful moments that I still remember. Uh, I had a patient who was actually laying on the table and she held my hand. She actually grabbed my hand and she looked me in my eyes and said, is God going to forgive me for what I'm about to do? And that still haunts me to this day because I know what I wanted to say, but I gave her the Planned Parenthood answer that we were taught to say. We were given scripts, you know, on what to say if you're asked this question or if someone says this. And so I said to her, well, do you believe in a forgiving God? And she said, well, of course. And I said, well, there you go. Go ahead and do it. You know, God's going to forgive you for it. It's better for you. It's better for your education, better for your career. And you can have kids again in the future. Now, we know, we all know, again, I said I don't subscribe to the title Christian, but I'm a firm Bible believer uh, from Genesis mm-hmm. to Revelations. Okay. So we all know that the Bible speaks of us going ahead and doing sins just because we know that God's going to forgive us. Mm-hmm. You don't pre, um, I can't even think of the word I'm going to say, but you don't, you don't go ahead pre-sin. and do sin. Right. Yeah, you don't pre sin. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. You know, oh, I know God's going to forgive me. So let me go ahead and murder this person that really irritated me yesterday because God's going to forgive me. I just need to pray. Um, So, you know, in a nutshell, yes, I did give her the right answer. Yes, she believed in a forgiving God. And yes, God would ultimately forgive her. But that's not the answer she was looking for. And I knew that. And that haunts me. Oh, wow. So... Over the time, so when you first get there, what was it like? Were you prepared for it? Did they, did you understand really what a Planned Parenthood was? Did you have, have you been to one before? So I had been to Planned Parenthood as a teenager, um, but the facility that I went to, because I'm not from North Carolina, I'm from the DMV area for for those of you who don't know, that's Washington, D.C., Virginia. Um, (laughs) My mom went to Howard. I know all about the DMV stuff. Okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> her best friend lives up there. We used to go up there all the time. <laughs> oh, awesome. Awesome. So yeah. So the, the Planned Parenthood that I went to up there a couple of times as a teenager and a young adult, it was just for, you know, like UTIs, like it was a family planning center. They didn't even do abortions. So in my mind, I hear people say Planned Parenthood is the abortion clinic, but the two or three facilities that I knew of, they were just family planning clinics, you know, in quotations. So I had never experienced that until I started working for the one in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. And the director did tell me, she said, you know, we do abortions here. And I said, I know, you know, I'm I'm fine with it. Because again, I'm thinking that's going to be on the medical side for people who have certifications in that side. I'm on the healthcare administration side. So I'm in the office, right? Mm. It doesn't bother me, you know? And I was thinking if that's what those women want to do, I'm just going to fill out the paperwork, make sure the clinic runs. Um, but after being there for just a short amount of time, and I mean like two weeks, um, I was called into the back, into one of the procedure rooms. And I was asked to assist in a procedure by holding ultrasound for a two-day, the second day of a two-day procedure. I am not ultrasound certified. I have never taken an ultrasound class in my life. Um, but that's what Planned Parenthood and many other abortion clinics do. They bring so, people in and you just kind of learn on the job. So that's essentially what happened with Abby Johnson too, right? So yeah. this is just kind of like a common occurrence. Like, oh, we need somebody. 
Who here works here? Yeah. Oh, you come on back. That cannot be legal. <laughs> well, it is not. <laughs> yes, for clarification. For clarification, that is not legal. No, I mean, uh, like, to think, like, because, you know, crazy. I'm at a dentist office or, you know, they wouldn't be pulling that kind of stuff. And so that's right. so interesting to learn, like, oh, that okay. wasn't just an Abby Johnson thing. This is yeah. happening in other abortion facilities. And that's why people say Abby and I have such similar stories. They're very parallel because she was in senior leadership. I was in senior leadership. We were both on the administrative side. Yeah. We weren't medical directors. We were like the managers of the administration side. And we both got called in to do medical or not do the procedure, but to assist and medical procedures. And it's, it, you know, I went to the dentist this morning and that would be like the tech who was scraping my teeth, giving me the anesthesia injection. Like you, <laughs> you're not trained to do that. The doctor give me the needle and say, hey, I'm busy in the other room. You go ahead and shoot her up, you know? Oh my goodness. <laughs> wow, yeah. But, you know, we laugh about that, but, you know, I laugh to keep from crying because I'm that is say. what Planned yeah. Parenthood does. You know, I was holding an ultrasound, not ultrasound trained. I was... Um, doing uh, blood pressures and, you know, measuring ultrasounds for um, correct gestation. I'm not certified in that. Never have I done that in my life. You know, I'm cleaning instruments and sterilizing them in the, the, you know, the machines, autoclave machines. Never had I learned to do that or taken a class or been certified or even had a certificate to do those things. But that is what is happening. And that's why I say it is not healthcare because the when men and women who are taking care of these ladies that come in as patients, they are not certified nor professionally trained for many of the jobs they're doing. They are out of their scope. Oh my goodness. This is good to hear because one of the things, I mean, it's not good to hear, but like, it's um, an interesting it's point. Enough. It's, good to, it's good to know. It's good to know because another one of the arguments um, that they have is if we overturn um, Roe v. Wade and we make abortion illegal, people will have unsafe um, abortions. Well, it sounds like they're already having unsafe abortions okay. now. They're, they're unsafe, they're unsanitary. And, you know, when people make that argument, I just laugh and I say, well, that's like saying, let's go ahead and make crack cocaine legal because there's a lot of people doing it. Yeah. Let's make crack, let's make mess, let's make everything legal because people are going to do it. You know, it, no matter what you make illegal, if someone wants to do it, they're going to find a way mm-hmm. to do it if they're, if they find themselves, unfortunately, that desperate. I mean, even all the way to suicide, you know, people are going to do what they want to do. Ultimately, that does not mean we need to make it legal because my same argument, mm-hmm. just because something is legal does not make it moral or correct. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And then I feel like a response that a pro-abortion slash Planned Parenthood abortion industry supporter could say is like, okay, but that was just your experience. Like, I'm sure not all of the abortion industries like that. How can you like refute that? Is it just like this one-time thing or do you hear that a lot from past coworkers or current people who have left the abortion industry? Let me tell you, Melanie, I hear it all the time. Um, You know, I even spoke in front of legislation in Tennessee recently and was told by uh, one of the house representatives that I was just embellishing my story for shock value. And I said, you know, sir, I can promise you that I'm not standing before you and this entire committee 
of senators and representatives of the House telling a lie, admitting to crimes. <laughs> like, right. <laughs> who does that? Like, and no. It's, it's also not like, so that's another thing too. People make comments like that to people it's not a popular opinion like you telling your story isn't going to make you I mean all of our listeners are going to love you but like outside of that you know the reality is the average person is not so you going up and standing up that's very brave and that I mean no one picks that I feel like you don't okay what's the what's the best story (laughs) in reality Mallory it wasn't just my experience in my facility So even though I was the health center manager or HCM for the Chapel Hill location, I frequented the Winston-Salem location when we needed um, anything, if we needed medication or if we needed some type of device or, you know, IUDs or anything, I would go there. And we were also frequently in the Fayetteville location, Um, several different locations that I had visited actually while I was there in management. Um, And I saw the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, heard the same thing from employees there. People wanted to quit, but had nowhere else to go. And not only that, since I've been out of the industry, I've heard the same story, parallel, just a different name, different location, different wow. people, but very similar stories about the lack of cleanliness, the lack of health care being provided to these women. And it's not just in North Carolina, this is all over the nation. And I can tell you, while we were in um, Tennessee and several other locations when I travel, we have called local abortion clinics, pretending to be a woman who was in need and seeking an abortion. And the things that we were told by the people that answered the phone was just flooring. I mean, it, 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 we were excited that we were getting the information that we wanted, but at the same time, we were floored and we wanted to cry because they were willing to lie just to get these women in. They were willing to give them money. They were willing to, you know, cover their abortion under different abortion funding that they had. And it was just sickening. You know, a friend of mine pretended to be a patient one time and basically said, I I have uh, 10 people living in my house. That's not really true, but do I need to write that down? And the lady said, we don't really check these forms. We'll just write down whatever to make sure that you're approved. But yeah, just go ahead and come in. I mean, it's just, it's mind boggling. So no, that it's not just my experience and my specific clinic to anyone who thinks that. This goes on across the nation. And is this is all for money? Are they like, what is the motive of like murdering babies? Like, oh, the motive, <laughs> is just, the motive is multifaceted. Number one, it's money. Um, abortion, if, if Planned Parenthood was to get rid of abortions, they would sink. You know, they say abortion is not their big moneymaker. That's a lie. It's their main bottom mm-hmm. line. That's where they make all of their money. They're not doing that many pap smears in the world. And they don't, <laughs> they don't do breast exams. There was no mammogram machine. There is no mammogram machine in any Planned Parenthood facility. Now, I'm glad you said that. That's good. Abby and I have been saying that for several years. So maybe there's one where they went and just purchased one just so they can (laughs) say that we're lying. While I was there, there was not one facility that had a mammogram machine. But they counted saying they did mammograms by just doing a self-mammogram. Wow. Wow. So, you know, it's, it's just, it's lies and deceit and it's across the nation. And it's not just within Planned Parenthood. It's through all the abortion clinic, through the entire industry. The bottom line is money. 
And the bottom line is uh, youth endemics. Like they want to get rid of the black and brown community. They want to get rid of disabled people. They want mm-hmm. to, <laughs> I hate to say it, but they want to no, make speak America the truth. great again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, they want to make America great again. And, I, and, you know, I love Donald Trump. I loved him at that time. He kind of went off the rail for me and I had to switch some opinions about him. But, you know, <laughs> I, it's, it's the, really, it's like people want to just go back to the entire old America. And if that's the case, you might as well overturn slavery and make that legal again, too. <laughs> so that is going to be, well, Melanie, did you have anything you wanted to ask? Yeah, I don't, I don't know if it's like on topic or like in the flow. What, okay, go, wait, wait, hold it, hold, hold it real quick. Right uh-huh, in there. Okay. Okay, mine, and so I want to transition. Um, so every time, obviously, for those who are listening and never seen it on YouTube, I'm black. I don't know if you can tell. <laughs> uh, Annette is black as well. Melanie is uh, Latina. Okay, so so, Melanie, Latina. so Latina, okay. Chicana. Yes, yes. Dominicana, Morena. <laughs> so now that we got that out of the way, everybody listening, I did want to talk about. So whenever I've gone to um, abortion facilities. I, I'll say 98% is black people, 98%. I mean, I've been the one in Latrobe. I don't think I've seen a white person other than the only white people I ever see there are the people who are like, um, yeah, come on. The, the escorts. Escorts. Yeah. Those are the only, the only white people I ever see. The people going in are always black. I want to say the abortionist. You're saying the only white people you see there are the escorts? Yes. (laughs) Yes. The only people I ever see are the escorts. (laughs) Um, I want to say, and I want to say the abortionist is white too. I'm not hundred percent sure. I feel like I've only seen like, cause he comes in very, it's very like dramatic. He comes in like with the black tinted uh, windows and it's like driving and like everybody goes, he's here. He's, it's it's dramatic. (laughs) And I think that it's just very interesting when we throw race in. I don't like to be the person who throws race into everything, but I just, I can't ignore that. I, I, I right. think that is, it's not a coincidence, which is one of the reasons why I did sign up to be a sidewalk um, advocate. I do want to eventually be one of the faces because it just, it doesn't, I, I just can't ignore that. What are your thoughts on, I mean, you mentioned it kind of, but can you talk a little bit more about them targeting black and brown people? Absolutely. Um, you know, and as an Afro-Latina, um, I can speak from both sides, from the Black and Brown uh, communities. And if you look at where the majority of Planned Parenthoods are placed, they are in Black or Brown neighborhoods or poor white neighborhoods. Um, our facility, where I previously worked in Chapel Hill, was kind of um, a conundrum because it was placed in a semi-decent area geographically, but when you really think about it and look at it, it was in between three major universities, Duke, UNC, and Central. Mm. So there you go. You have all of these young college girls who either were going to drop out or, you know, and it was close to the bus line, so it was still in a not-so-great area and for people that don't know central is an hbcu absolutely for people that don't yeah yeah central is an hbcu so that's all strategic okay sorry go ahead yeah so exactly it's strategically placed so you have these students who are not living on campus but they're living in these lower in you know areas 
but it, they go to these schools, probably on scholarship, maybe not. But either way, you're going to have the black and brown students coming there to get abortions. Now, in my facility, again, because it was in a, in a semi-decent area, we did have several uh, white women who would come through there. Um, and they ranged from prostitutes or streetwalkers coming oh, in wow. with their kids to uh, women who were lawyers or wow. you know, getting ready to sit for their bar and didn't want to, quote unquote, mess up their life. Mm -hmm. So they would come in and have an abortion. Um, but still, if you look at where the majority of abortion clinics are placed, they are in black and brown communities or poor my, or minority communities. So um, really quick, what was uh, for, you said like a prostitute and her pimp would come in. What did you, how did you handle that? Did you know it? Or was it kind of like a thing you guys whisper like, oh, that's her pimp. This is her sixth time. Like, how did you? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, okay. Glad you said that, Mallory. Um, and that was another thing. We eventually get, you get cold and you get hard. Your heart is hardened, just like uh, the Bible says, when yeah. you work in this type of industry. And we would see women come in. There was a woman who was coming in for her 11th abortion. And we knew the man with her was not her husband or boyfriend or anything. And, you know, she's talking like she was just coming to buy a Slurpee. You know, she was like, we need, I need you to hurry up and get this thing out of me because I got to go. How, how long is the wait? You know, and so when you have people like that, you become really hardened. Wow. Um, and then you also have situations where you see a young girl and you know she's a minor and the person she's with is like triple her age you know that's not dad or granddad because you can see the, the body chemistry. Mm -hmm. um, but if they had ID, we didn't check it. We didn't verify. We didn't do anything. It was okay. As long as you had the money. And what did, did you guys ever have to report anybody or that's just not what y'all did? Um, so there were, a, there were, I can count on one hand or less um, how many instances I did report of okay. rape, and, rape and incest. Um, but as far as like the trafficking, yeah, you know, because they always had a cover, like, this is my dad, this is my uncle. And, you know, who, who were we to judge is what we would say. We don't judge you here at Planned Parenthood. We're here to help you. Uh, and, and I say that with all facetiousness. Yeah. <laughs> and I guess like, this is more of a comment as opposed to like, um, a question. I just think about like, there are, I have, I know people in my life who really are just like, well, like very, we love everybody. I don't necessarily, and I think it's people who are not, um, I guess you don't know what to be frustrated about. You don't know what's wrong until you know, I guess. Right. And that's, you know, and and Maya Angelou said it best, you know, you, you, you do better or you, you do better once you know better, you know, you, yeah. don't, know, you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. And so that's how I felt. I went into the abortion industry not knowing about things that I didn't know. But yeah. once I knew better, I didn't immediately start doing better, but <laughs> I, I mean you're a human. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you're a human. And you know, as a Bible believer, it's the same thing. I do love everyone. I love the crackhead, I love the prostitute, I love the homosexual, I love the lesbian. I don't love their sin. And because I love them, I don't want them to stay in their sin. So that, that's the same thing for the people who work in the abortion industry, as well as the woman who is considering an abortion or who has had an abortion. I love you, and I don't want you to stay in your sin. 
same way as when I was drinking like a fish. I haven't had a really bad alcohol problem for about two years because of Planned Parenthood. Oh, and, wow. you know, my sisters in, in ATTWN, and then there were none, did not want me to stay in that lifestyle. And they loved me out of it. They didn't talk trash about me. They didn't push me to the side. They loved me out of it. And that's the same way that we need to do with people who are in the abortion industry, whether they're on the, the um, employment side or whether they're going there as a patient. Yeah, that's beautiful. I, yeah, I really like hearing what you're saying. I just want everybody to know, like, I want to like print this episode out and just leave it places so people can know. <laughs> because I think, I mean, you don't know unless you know. Like, I, yeah. I have a friend who's very passive about it. She'll say she's pro life, but then, like I said, she'll, and I'm like, she just doesn't know. And obviously, I don't want to be like, here's this video, you wretched human. I don't want to do that. Right. But it's just like. <laughs> You don't know unless you know. Like, I, this is such a good conversation. Melanie, you had your question. Yeah. So, I'm really curious about. Um, so, I've been going on about two years of being a sidewalk advocate. I do sidewalk advocacy outside of the Planned Parenthood South Texas. And I just want to add too, I think it's so funny because the the facility director there, the director of Planned Parenthood South Texas is a white man. And mm-hmm. they built a wall um, on the like in front of the sidewalk and they were Mexican-Americans, Latinos who were building the wall. And I just thought it was the most ironic thing. And I remember like speaking Spanish to the workers, trying to tell them, look, that is a white man who's killing our people. They're killing our people in there. And anyways, I just wanted to share that memory of like, the irony of like how you said Mallory is the the white girls who are the escorts and yeah it's just I love white people y'all we love y'all it, it no it no white hate in here but um right anyways. right right <laughs> anyways um but yeah my question is is like was there a sidewalk presence outside of the facility you were at and did that have an impact on you Oh, it did. And I'll tell you the positive and the negative. So yeah. let me start with the negative. Um, you know, there's an old phrase, you catch more flies with honey than you do with vinegar. Mm. Um, so the people that fought me with fire when they came there, and, and let me backtrack a little bit by letting you know, I was a staunch Pentecostal apostolic while working there. I didn't wear Whoa. pants, didn't wear makeup, didn't wear jewelry, and slowly got pulled out of that for, for, uh, for other reasons, but kind of sort of because of Planned Parenthood. One reason is while I was working there, I would see church members coming in, bringing their nieces and, you know, aunties and grandmothers. And, you know, I just was like, whoa. whoa. So wow. I, see you, I see you on Sunday night and we're smiling and running around the, the altar and jumping and shouting and spitting and hollering. And then you come here on the, you know, the next Tuesday or, oh, that breaks or my heart. Saturday, and you know, I can't say anything because of HIPAA. Yeah. And you're not going to say anything because you don't want to be embarrassed. Mm-hmm. But here I am on church, you know, on Wednesday night, Friday night, Saturday, Sunday, whatever it is. And I'm just staring at you like, how could you bring that girl here? But then I thought my, in my head, like, well, darn, Annette, how do you work there? You know, so it was like, it was a, it was a, it was an internal battle. Yeah, but the people that would use the Bible and like beat me with the Bible at the facility on the sidewalk, those were the ones that I eventually started cussing out. I would turn on the sprinklers and soak them. 
I would call the police on them if they stepped a little bit over onto our property on the sidewalk. You know, they, they did not win me at all. I had people with bullhorns yelling scriptures, telling me that I was going to hell. And I would tell them, you know, I'm apostolic Pentecost, so I know the Bible probably better than you do, because that's all we were allowed to do. We weren't allowed to even have television. Like, <laughs> that's a whole nother episode. <laughs> you know, and, you know, that did not win me over. What won me over was a little white woman who would come, and, and, and let me just say, I, I don't have anything against white people. My seven-year-old is biracial. He's half black, or half black, Hispanic, and half white. So anyway, um, just needed to go ahead and hit that plug in there. Right, yeah, yeah, we should have <laughs> earlier. <laughs> but yeah. everybody My knows. My is white, definitely. Y'all know Victoria, the yeah, other Victoria, co-host. Yeah, Victoria's the other co-host. She's white. Y'all know. <laughs> so I felt like I needed to say that. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. You know, um, on the pos- so that was the negative side of the sidewalk workers. On the positive side, there were people who would come and just kneel and pray. Wouldn't even say a word to me. Wouldn't give me um, a pamphlet. Wouldn't give me a track. Wouldn't say anything. They would just come, kneel, and pray. And the one lady, we ended up having like this eyeball relationship because we would look <laughs> at each other and lock eyes. And she eventually would wave. And, you know, it kind of softened my heart and I would wave back. But she never bothered us. She never caused any problems, didn't throw anything, didn't use a bullhorn or anything like that. And, you know, eventually when I found some cards on my car, um, it connected me with, and then there were none. Um, and you can find out about that organization by going to prolove.com. But um, when I went to, and then there were none, um, it really changed me. But the only reason why I really thought about going to them was the softening of my heart by the sidewalk advocates who would just pray. Now, I'm not saying that you should ignore the women and workers. There are certain people, but you have to judge people and, and judge their behavior, judge, judge the situation, not just yeah. negatively, but ju- gauge, that's a better word, gauge yeah. the situation. Um, if someone's already heated and fired up when they're going into that facility, you don't need to go and give them a Bible and a track. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Just pray for them until you see them again or you know something like that. But that's what got me. So I, I say love. And um, God and spirituality and Bible is what will win the workers and the women um, patients from coming out of those facilities. Because when I left, I was able to reach back in and love nine other employees out of my facility. Whoa, um, praise, praise God. God. That's so good. Definitely <laughs> praise God, because it wasn't me, because sometimes I don't know how to talk to people. <laughs> But it definitely, it was just love. You know, they would come to me and I would say, I'm not going to force you, but if you come to me and ask me a question, then be ready for my answer. And so, I, oh, and I love my personality. So, you know, yeah. I just loved on them until they came up. I love that. And I love that you... I love that you gave the negative and the positive because I do think if we're going to say that we want to help people, we do need to hear what works and what doesn't work. And right. I have my own opinions, which we can do a whole nother episode about, about, <laughs> you know, the bullhorn people and the, you're going to hell. How dare you? Yeah. I, I have my own opinions about those people, but I do, yeah. I'm glad that you mentioned how it really isn't 
effective. I think there is a time and a place for everything. Absolutely. I, but I, I do like how you mentioned that. And what you were saying earlier too, is an example of discernment. Like if you, you know, have the Holy spirit, if you have God, you can ask God, okay, is this particular person going to respond to me if I do X, Y, and Z? And obviously it's not going to be perfect every single time, but I do think it's just a matter of like, okay, God, how is this person going to respond? And it just also is encouraging. So it's this one girl that we keep seeing out there and the women's March, you know, was the Saturday. And um, so Charlotte had one long story short we saw each other like she was walking with her son I had my sign and we saw each other I like waved like hey and she was like I guess I'll see you Saturday and I was like yeah see you next Saturday (laughs) and like honestly okay also to you guys not to be creepy but I also found her Instagram only because she tagged the women's march this is a a worker or one Um, of the escorts an escort an escort okay and um, she had, she was being kind of sexual. I'm, I'm telling this story for a reason. She was like being kind of like when we were leaving, she was like being kind of sexual uh, at the, when we, at, when we were done praying, making a comment, like, remember me this week, remember me at, at night. And another lady said, you know what? I'm going to remember her every night and I'm going to pray for her. And mm-hmm. honestly, when she said that, like something clicked in me, I was like, well, that's what I'll do. So everybody listening, I don't know her. Well, I know her name because she's on Instagram, but like, I don't remember what her name is, but like, everybody just remember red hair girl outside of Latrobe, because I really do want to pray for her. And I do think like the fact that we like, we saw each other and I, you know, I'm not going to be mean, like, oh, there's that girl. I was just like, Hey, like, oh, look at us. Cause clearly she's passionate. That was the other thing too. I was like, we could get her to switch sides. So let me tell you something, Mallory, that sexual, sexual behavior that you saw Mm-hmm. It's all part of the abortion industry as well. The, we'll talk over, about that. the hypersexuality, the vulgarity, it's all part of that culture. Um, you know, it's like a mob, like a mafia type culture. Um, people usually say that it's like a cult-like mentality, which I agree with 100%, but I also liken it to like the mafia, like the women are over-sexualized. Yeah. And, you know, that, that's part of what they do. Um, you know, there were conversations at the front desk that floored me. And I went to my senior leadership and was basically told to let it go. Like, oh, get over yourself. Amongst um, the workers. But yeah, right. Wow. And even though I'm their manager, I, I was told to let it go. Oh, wow. <laughs> and one of the abortionists actually made a comment and told me I was like a Jesus freak. You know, why don't you wear pants? You're a Jesus freak. And so then when I eventually started slowly wearing pants, it was, oh, she's going to be sassy today because she has her pants on. She doesn't have on a skirt, you know, and it's just that that whole culture. It's just it's cold. It's dark. Mm -hmm. It's hypersexualized. It's. It's it's Sodom and Gomorrah. I mean, we called the freezer where we held the uh, products of conception. And for those of you who don't know what that means, the fetus that is removed and sucked out of the mother's uterus. We would hold it in a freezer in biohazard bags until it was picked up by a biohazard company, but we called it the nursery. I mean, how sick can you be? Yeah. Wow. You know, the code to get into the building, which they're probably going to change it now, was B-A-B-Y. I mean, that's how you remember it. Codes to get into different platforms on the computer were um, Mirena, condom, you know, <laughs> like. Wow. Who does that? That's crazy. I just keep thinking like, 
it's all so it all starts with the over sexualization because i mean even with and melanie i have talked about it about even like with birth control if you're using birth control you're a little you're more likely to just kind of have sex whenever because you're like oh i'm on birth control so then you still you have a high chance to have to need to need an abortion so Mm -hmm. or a high chance to get pregnant i'll say it like that Mm -hmm. um and i just think about like i guess in my head like who like why are people i guess it's for the money but i'm just like why are people doing this like and i'm sure it starts off in school like in elementary school because i don't know this and maybe you can clarify um I've heard, and I'd like to hear it if it's true from you, but I've heard that like Planned Parenthood comes to school and does like sex ed classes. And like, I'm just like, it starts from there yeah. and then it goes to there. And then now, yeah. now they have 22 year olds like twerking um, to annoy pastors. Like it's just a really nice guy that comes yeah, to the This is school girls twerking and posting videos, you know, and it's, it's all part of the hypersexualization. You know, you have Planned Parenthood going into elementary schools with a banana showing girls how to put a condom on. I mean, wh- why? Why? Elementary school. Oh my. You know, um, there's there's a, a young lady. Um, I don't know if I'm allowed to mention her name, but she has her own show. Um, she didn't work in the clinic, but she was a sexual educator, Monica Klein. Oh, we mm-hmm. love her. Yes, yes. Monica's a queen. Yes. Monica was going into Planned Parenthoods and ha- had a young lady tell her one time. Um, I want to learn how to, um, let me think of how to say this the right way. I want to learn how to give oral pleasure to a boy without gagging. And Monica just said, well, have you ever just thought about, because I don't like it is what the young lady said. I don't like it. So can you teach me how to do it without gagging? And Monica just, you know, something flipped in her and she said, well, have you ever thought about just not doing it? She had never even thought about that. Uh, yeah. No figure, you know, so the whole industry is, um, you know, it's just based on hypersexualization. If you're coming in for an abortion, you're, you're either pregnant because you were having, you know, premarital sex and you don't want the baby, or even, you know, even if it was rape, it's because the man was hypersexualized and feels like, you know, rape is his only choice. If it's incest, you know, your family member was hypersexualized about something somewhere in their you know, Horn. Like, pornography Horn. yeah, yeah. Right. So, i mean i can go on hours about that yeah, yeah i can go on and on and on you know and people always talk about the one-offs well there's always going to be a one-off but we don't have this industry worldwide because of the one-offs exactly and you know that's switching gears a teensy bit that's such a good point this is it is an industry and it does start with sexualization we sexualize our young girls I mean we talk a lot so this is a pro-woman podcast and Mm -hmm. we modestly something that is very important to us and you know accountability we hold ourselves accountable but Mm -hmm. you know men as leaders need to take a little bit of responsibility as well men um the porn industry the reality is you know it's a chicken or egg situation i don't know what came first uh women you know sexualizing themselves and then or men i don't know the chicken or the egg the point is the person who's selling the chickens and the eggs right now (laughs) are white men good point and that's a very good point too about um it's a if men stopped watching porn if men 
could stand up and be the leaders that God has created them to be. And we are not sitting here saying men aren't leaders. We're not saying men aren't strong. We are saying men are leaders and they are strong. If they could step up and start doing that, I think we could see such a change, such a change. And you're so right. Um, It is white men that are running these organizations. That's and, and, and it's really sad because women fall victim to it, you know, whether you're in Christianity or pretty much any other religion, there may be some that are, you know, female uh, dominated and like there are some cultures that are female dominated. There are a lot, a lot of African cultures are matriarchal, might bleh, that tongue twisted, matriarchal cultures or tribes, but the majority, again, we want to talk about the majority, not the one-offs are patriarchal and so women look to men to be the leaders and Mm -hmm. unfortunately I feel like that's why we're in the situation where we are because a lot of men today are not leaders they are not the spiritual leaders they are not the financial leaders they are not the providers you know they're nothing in their household and everyone's just running amok doing what they want to do but the bible says it's it's different it shouldn't be that way yeah yeah Melanie, you have anything else you mm-hmm. want to add? So to all those other guys listening, you have your call. You know what yeah. you need to do. Yeah. Step up, men. Yeah, you know, and that's not a bash to men at all. That's a call, mm-hmm. you know, a yeah. call to service, a call to order, a call to come back, you know, to do what, what God created you to do and what God intended you to do. Because, you know, a lot of these, these people in, in the porn industry and abortion industry, it's like, really, would you want your daughter Mm-hmm. Were your granddaughter doing that? You know, I, I don't know. Maybe some, some do. Maybe some people are just born that way. But that's, well, that's not what my Bible says. Amen. And le- let me tell you too, um, the ones, no, if if you talk to the guys that do consume all of this, they don't want their daughters doing that. They would never date someone that does the whole only fan. They would never date someone that does. They will, right. and consu- they will use that person. Mm-hmm. They will consume it, but date them absolutely not. They're what who they want to date are the, the elites, the elites, the sweeter, mm-hmm. nicer girls that aren't doing that. But mm-hmm. then that also leaves. So is that fair for the sweeter, nicer girl to have to? But anyway, that's a whole nother, another podcast episode in and of itself. And again, I do. Mallory, that all goes back to hypersexualization. Mm-hmm. They, want yeah. the, they want the you know that's another old cliche. They want the the whore. It, in the bed but they want the you know the good girl as the wife Mm -hmm. you can't have your cake and eat it too if you want a good girl you need to just get a good girl but they want to go in the streets and go to the strip clubs and and watch porn and do all this but they want to come home to the good girl and that you know god didn't create us that way no no Mm -hmm. and final thing on this i do want to say if anyone is listening and is struggling with porn this is not to shame you this is like they said this is a call to action and fight the new drug.org or i think it's org has really really good resources um this mm-hmm. is a call to action this is a cha- mm-hmm. this is your sign if you're looking for the sign this is your sign to tell someone in your life that you love and trust and that will not um shame you or you know, make you feel even worse. This is your call to let them know that you need help. Um, fight the new drug.org. Okay. I just wanted to wrap that part up. Yeah. I want to throw out there too. uh chastity project, Jason Everett. He, um, 
he has a really good ministry at chastity.com is great and then there's another one too redeemed vision offers kind of like a coaching if you're like currently struggling with pornography there's like personal coaches who can help you and keep you accountable at Re- uh, redeemed vision i think is what it's called okay. no freedom coaching is what it's called i will oh, link all of these yeah that's awesome and again, go wherever you need to go <laughs> right. and again you know the organization that i um i'm a part of and then there were none you know this organization you know we've been talking about all all this time about love you know, go to prolove.com. And there are so many resources within prolove.com. There are other um, entities that they can link you to that with, within, and then there were not under that huge umbrella that Abby Johnson has. Um, you know, if you are a woman who's seeking abortion and you need, you know, financial help with diapers or clothes or formula, which is what's making you consider an abortion. If you need uh, transportation, they have resources to help link you with somebody who can get you a car. If you want to go back to school, if you need a sitter, if you are a man and your girlfriend or your significant other is considering an abortion, there are resources for men. You know, if you are hooked on porn, we have resources for that. Oh, nice. It's all about what the Bible says, what God is about, which ultimately is love. So if you go to prolove.com, you can find any of these resources. Perfect. I'm going to link that um, in the description and everywhere. And honestly, I'll probably even do y'all a blog post that has all of these links um, and such. Melanie, is there anything else you want to add or ask? Yeah, I just want to say that um, listening to your story and getting to chat with you really has given me a lot of hope because like you said you catch more flies with honey and so there's this one girl um one of the abortion workers that whenever I'd see her um go to lunch I'd always tell her to have a good lunch praying for you abortionworker.com and she was the one worker out of all the other workers who would wave back to me and make eye contact with me and then the last couple weeks that I was at the abortion facility I haven't seen her. So I don't know what that means. God knows. Um, But I can only hope that that's a good sign, you know, that she remembered that website. And yeah, it just, it gives me a lot of hope talking with you and just thinking of that, that woman who was, was that kind honey on your old sidewalk and so yeah yeah. well you know what Melanie I'm hoping that she went to abortionworker.com and um, left the industry but again make sure that you gauge the situation gauge the person and discern and if you want to use pro-love instead of that because people may take offense to Mm abortionworker.com when I left I was trying to find Abby Johnson's ministry and I couldn't because I was typing in xabortionworker.com and since then she has purchased that domain so if anyone types that in they can find it but you know try just telling people go to prolove.com you know and and that will definitely help get some people out of the industry as well yeah that's smart yeah okay I think that's all the questions I have I just really want to thank you for this conversation it has been been great. great Um, like Melanie said, I'm encouraged too. Um, I like, I didn't realize the turnover rate was so high and mm-hmm. I'm really glad it is. And I think that 
says a lot. And I think it also just shows that we are on the right side because people change their opinions when they get more knowledge. Um, Knowledge is power. And the Bible says to have wisdom and knowledge. But anyway, um, thank you again so, so much. This has been great. I know everyone listening will enjoy it. Is there, um, are there any other like social media things you want to plug? Like, um, or do you have like a book, a movie or anything? Anything you want to plug or, okay. It's just little old me. Okay. No, I mean, you're, this was a great story. Like you definitely, uh, and you're very personable. Like this was a really good conversation. Good. And that's why, you know, I eventually want to be uh, a sidewalk advocate. I just need to learn how to uh, tame my fire because, you know, like, you know, me dicen que yo no tengo pelo en la lengua. So you know, <laughs> nobody will understand that. Um, for those who don't speak Spanish, I, you know, it means I don't, um, how do you call it? I don't bite my tongue. So <laughs> sometimes I have to gauge the situation as well. So, you know, but I do appreciate people like you, Mallory and Melanie, who do go out on the sidewalks, reaching out, not just to the women who are seeking abortions, but to the workers as well. Because I think a lot of times people forget that we're humans too. We're just going to work just like everybody else mm-hmm. because we need mm-hmm. that, you know, so yeah, and we wouldn't have abortion if there wasn't an industry, if there wasn't workers. So right. we need to pray for the conversion of hearts of everyone involved yeah. in the abortion industry. And yeah. once again, like some people just really do not know. Some people right. like they just and I think to wrap it up, I think it's our job as other girls, our job as Christians, our job as Bible believers, our job as people who know the truth to say something to share something you know you don't have to stand outside of um your abortion clinic like blasting you know pictures and movies and screaming you don't have to do that what you can do though is talk to your friend who sometimes makes comments that are just not true you can talk to your neighbor that um makes comments also too this is just a side note and we said this in our um, episode with uh the woman who runs the safe house like we're a community so we have to work together like your neighbors your the kids that you know sometimes are a little bit annoying they're super loud that run across your backyard we're all like we're in this together so like it's good to you know keep your eye out if you see someone if you see a mom in your church struggling if you see a mom at your school like if you see a woman pregnant at your school and she looks like she's having a hard time maybe reach out talk to her ask her if she you know like it's it's a group effort we're a community we work together that's how we're going to make change like doing things together and it is up to us that's another call for everyone listening it is up to us to let people know Mm -hmm. yeah a (laughs) pro-life anti-abortion future starts with you it starts in your home right and like you said earlier Mallory it's you know there's a time and a place for everything so you know the yelling the shouting the bible thumping and the the bullhorns, there may be someone that that is for, you know, um, I was won over in a very unorthodox way at my <laughs> facility. I'm not going to share the details of that story because I don't want to encourage people to do that going forward and give ideas. <laughs> but, you know, there are those of us out there who are kind of hard-headed, who do need that unorthodox um, method from time to time. But again, if you subscribe to the term Christian, Um, If you believe in Christianity or if you just consider yourself like me, 
to be a Bible believer from Genesis to Revelations, then you need to discern the situation Mm -hmm. and you need to gauge the situation and the person that you're talking to and see what is it that they need. Do they need the harshness or the softness? And it's just like a parent would do a child. You have some children that you can spank and they won't do it again. And you have other children, you can spank them till their buns turn red and it does nothing. But if you tell them, you disappointed me, that changes them. So as Christians and Bible believers, we need to do the same thing, engage the people that we are talking to who we claim that we're trying to help. Wonderful. I forgot that we started doing this one last thing. This is the absolute last question. And then we're done. Uh, we just started doing this. So I forgot we do this. Um, but if every single girl in the entire world was listening to you right now, they were looking at you and they wanted advice. What is the one thing you would tell them? Ooh, advice on what? Life. It can be about any, like, it could be about um, abortion. It could be about um, your bedroom. It could, well, decorating your bedroom. It could be about. <laughs> Glad you fixed that. <laughs> yeah. Decorating your bedroom. It could be about school. It could be about, you know, being a wife, a mom, whatever. If they're like, just tell me one thing. What's one thing? Oh, the one thing I would say is don't let your past uh, faults and failures define you. Don't be embarrassed to reach out for help because that is the only way that you learn, grow, and change. You know, I had an alcohol problem previously. I had a an anger issue previously. Um, you know, lot, lots of things. But if I had not reached out for help and not let that define me, I wouldn't be in the place I am right now. Amen. Love that. Great way to end it. Everyone, thanks so much for listening. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, make sure you like, review, subscribe, comment, um, and share this episode. I I think this is definitely an episode you should share with all of your friends, um, whether they're- And your liberal Lizzie friends. And your liberal Lizzie (laughs) friends, um, whether they're pro-life or pro-choice. I think this is a really good- um perspective to hear because I don't we don't hear this perspective very often and also too it's really good to hear from someone who's actually there instead of just people who have heard from a friend that heard from a friend that read it um but yeah everybody thanks so much for listening Bye. bye bye Thank you for listening to Those Other Girls with Mallory and Bailey. Make sure you like, comment, and subscribe on all of your favorite podcast platforms. Head over to our website, thoseothergirls.com, to read our blogs and receive exclusive content. And connect with us on Instagram at Those Other Girls Podcast and on Twitter at TOG underscore podcast. Those Other Girls, changing culture and bringing back traditional values.